This uh, series of looking at the Beatitudes, uh, we're kind of holding this against um, culture and what's going on against in culture and saying that actually we can choose our attitude. We can choose how we're going to be in this world and we don't have to just go along with the uh, current, with the with the current sort of things that are going on. And as part of the backdrop to it is uh, Philippians chapter 4 with um, Jesus being sung about. Let our attitude be as that of Christ Jesus. I, um, I was away recently with... Um, my sister-in-law, and my sister-in-law is a uh, a public speaker. She goes and does all sorts of uh, events because she did this amazing thing a little while ago and uh, rode across the Atlantic by herself because her husband was in the boat originally and then he got sea fright. So, you know, once you've got a story like that, you know, you can make the most of it and spin it out a lot. She's been spinning it out. She'll probably listen to the, t- listen to the recording, so she won't mind me saying. She's been spinning it out for about 15 years. It's amazing. Anyway, part of what she, uh, part of what she talks about when she goes and talks to people is about choosing your attitude. So I was really pleased when we were on holiday that I managed to snap a picture of her trying to eat outside in the cold and the drizzle, wrapped in a sleeping bag, looking grumpy as something. Uh, and I messaged it to her just with the, with the text. Choose your attitude, exclamation mark. (laughs) She did laugh in the end. The Christian faith is countercultural. The stuff that Jesus asks us to step into goes against the grain of much of what we bump into. If it's all about our image, if it's all about getting the best possible likes, if it's about hiring a holiday home and then Instagramming it as if it was your own house, if you've ever done that, by the way, um, (laughs) apparently that's a thing. You, 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 you hire someone else's house and then you Instagram it and, and it's like, look at us in our fancy house. It's not even yours. Anyway. But it's a picture of, of, of that whole culture of, you know, we've got to, we've got to build this amazing facade so that everyone will like us. There is a real battle going on if we're trying to follow Jesus. And is a, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Between those things that we would long to do because we think they might satisfy us and the things that God is calling us to do. In Romans chapter 8, you're probably going to get quite a lot of Romans chapter 8 over the next however many months. Romans chapter 8 verse 12 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, We have an obligation, but it is not to live according to the flesh. 
We have an obligation, but it is now to the Holy Spirit of God living in us. Not any longer to the flesh. This passage at face value, or rather the phrase for this evening, which is just verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. At face value, it's one of those great little phrases and we, and we take comfort for it because when we're going through tough times, you know, we want to know that, that it'll end. We want to know that, that somehow it'll be okay. And there is hope for that. Revelation 7.17 says that he will wipe away every tear. Isaiah 61 verse 2 says that there is comfort for all who mourn. It's hugely important that we face the things that we are feeling, experiencing, going through, especially, especially if they are around loss or grief. But facing them doesn't mean lying in a kind of emotional mess on the floor. I mean, it might be, but that's not necessarily facing it. In our household, Megan and I... Sorry, I thought you were Meg. Meg's there. <laughs> it was like a quick gaze. In our household, we, we had this phrase uh, over a number of years, which was shorthand for us. And the phrase would, would simply be that one of us would look at the other and just say, the sadness is here. And it was an acknowledgement of this vast, vast conversation, this vast set of, of grief and agony and pain. And we kind of wrote shorthand for it because we, we never wanted to miss feeling it, but we didn't ever want to milk it. You know, it was a way of acknowledging that this is how I am feeling, but I've still got to go and do the school run. You know, this is what's going on. And I don't want, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to, I don't want to patch over it and pretend I'm not. But I'm still just going to keep on going through the day. You know, and sometimes life is like that. And, and if you're in the midst of grief, unfortunately it doesn't have a timetable that it's going to follow. It would be so much easier if it did. And when we have to process big emotions, there's not a there's not a timetable there's not a program that we can go through that will orderly sort all those thing, all those things out but i would encourage you if that's if that's part of your story at the moment if there's mourning if there's grief for whatever massive variety of reasons make sure at minimum you acknowledge it doesn't mean you have to kind of lie on the floor in a soggy heap, although sometimes I'm sure you will, but, but acknowledge it. Clock the moments. And there is comfort. 
There can be comfort in the presence, in the present, from the Holy Spirit being alongside you in the midst of it. The Holy Spirit is described as the comforter, the one who comes alongside, who accompanies. But there is also hope for eternity. You know, that sadness that sometimes we bear is not one that we will take into eternity with us. There will be no more death, no more dying. He will wipe away the tears. There will be comfort that will last. That said, that's not what this passage is about. (laughs) If you like, that's... um, And I can't say this word because I always get it wrong. It's the outer layer. Is that right? Oh, yes. It's the outer. I'm not going to try and say it again. And that's the one. Thanks, man. (laughs) And we just need to go a little bit deeper. You see, the amplified version of of this verse just explains it really well. Verse 4 in the Amplified Version says this, Blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent. For they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. Blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. You see, this is not really about mourning in terms of the grief of losing someone. This is actually the broader sense of mourning our sin. Mourning the state of the world in its biggest sense. To grieve at the state of the world. Blessed is the person who is mourning for the state of the world. What is it that we're supposed to be grieving about? Well, I invite you to go back and to go and read again Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verses 18 to 32 would cover most of the things that we would need to be grieving about. And you know the world has not changed very much apart from finding creative and inventive ways to do the same old sins. Let me give you the summary. And I am choosing my words carefully. Maybe we need to be grieving and mourning that we hold so little value on the beginning and the end of life. We need to mourn and grieve that we have failed to steward the planet and that we, that was entrusted to us that's supposed to point to our Creator God. That we should mourn that our culture embraces any sexual desire just to please ourselves. That we exchange the truth of God for a lie. 
Maybe we should grieve and mourn that our culture worships created things. That our culture has become inflamed and driven by lust for one another. Maybe we should grieve and mourn the forgotten ways of God, the fact that we've let go of those ancient paths. And worst of all, verse 28 of Romans chapter 1. Maybe we should grieve that our culture approves of these things and says that they are good and that this has become a normal way of life. But you know, as Paul highlights these things, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty robust list, you know, if you were to read that chapter and you were in any kind of public office, you probably wouldn't last the day. Paul highlights these things. Not to place himself and us in any kind of judgment, any kind of judgment over others. And nor should we read it and place ourselves in any kind of judgment over others. In fact, he lands in Romans chapter 7 with this. What a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 7 verse 24 and 25. You see, Paul doesn't give that list and stand outside it. He gives that list and stands inside it. So it's not a judgment list. It's a reality list. What a wretched man am I? This is the planet that we inhabit. This culture that is so corrupt is our culture. I'm a part of it. I'm the problem. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Because this is our culture, because we are part of it, It is right for us to grieve. Not for them, but for us. Because we're part of it. Corporate sin. Corporate grief. In the Passion of the Christ, as Jesus is hanging on the cross and breathes his last, the camera angle switches and you see the view from heaven. And in that place of death and despair, as the whole of the sin of humanity has been laid upon him. And the camera angle switches from looking up at Jesus to looking down at him from the heavenlies. There comes from heaven a single teardrop.
think that God the Father mourns at the state of the world. And so should we. But I think to leave the response at that global level is too impersonal. You see, I think the response is Paul's response. It's personal. It's not just out there. It's not everybody else. It's not other. It's us. It's me. It's you. You see, to repent is to change your mind. When I'm doing baptism prep with people, one of the things that they have to say in baptism, in the baptism uh, statements, is is we ask them if they uh, if they repent of their of their sins, and they say, "I repent of them." And to repent is to change your mind. And I and I get them all to do this hand action. It's to take your brain out and swap it for the mind of Christ. To literally change your mind. He's got a whole bunch of better thoughts that he wants you to think. This is not about being a robot or being brainwashed. In fact, there was a conversation that was took place between a bishop and the leading atheist on the radio. And the atheist said to the bishop, and I tell this in the baptism prep, you know your problem, bishop, you're just into brainwashing people. And the bishop came back and said, yes, but at least we know what we're washing our brains with. At least we know what we're washing our brains with. To change our minds. You see, repentance is two actions. It's to leave something and it's to take something up. To let go of and to take hold. That's why John the Baptist called people to repent and believe. Repent and believe. You see, this is not as the world does it. When the world gives an apology because the world doesn't really say sorry much, when the world does an apology, it's usually on the basis of typing it up as a notelet on your um, iPhone app and then pasting the image of that into your Twitter feed or on Instagram so that it will get shared by the most number of people. And you have to make it look like you've written it in a moment and that it's really passionate, yet without actually ever saying that you've done anything wrong. Because the objective of the exercise is to get it shared for as many times as you can and get as many likes and as many subscribers. This is not repentance. To say, Lord, I'm done with my way of doing it. I have got it wrong. To repent. To let go of one thing, but also to take hold of who he says you are.
We might want to try and take repentance out of the gospel. It might make it easier and more palatable and nicer. But you know, if you take repentance and sin out of the gospel, there is nothing left. There is something intrinsically wrong with the world and with human beings. And we are part of that. And it needed a payment. It needed a payment in the old sacrificial order. In blood. And Jesus came in person and paid the price. Paid the price for our wrongdoing. So that's the morning. What about the comfort? In the Amplified Version, it says that the comfort is the knowledge of sins forgiven. I think the comfort is also that it gives us a new frame within which to see the world. Even though it is a mess, even though it is confused and we've played our part in that, He wants us to be right in the midst of it. He wants to send folks like you and me into big business and into Tesco's. He wants you in the care home and in the retirement home. He wants you at the school gates and walking the dogs, knowing that the world's a mess, but with you, full of His Holy Spirit, bringing about transformation and difference. He's got a journey for us to walk on, a way for us to go. And it is about the here and now, and he wants to go with us. Along the hills and into the valleys. But there is also the eternal perspective that he will draw things to a conclusion. That he will hold to account the abuser. That he will deal with the injustices that seem so rife in our world. And in those last days, we will have to stand before him and we will have to give an account of what we've done. Knowing that he's covered us, he's clothed us in righteousness, but he'll still want to know what we did and how we lived. But in this world, in this world, he goes with us into a troubled world. So what might we do with all of this? I think I, I want to remind you of, of what I said at the beginning before we step off into this next bit, which is, which is to mourn, to grieve, to be repentant is not necessarily about being a heap 
on the floor. It might be, but that's not the default outworking of this. I'm not asking you for an emotional response this evening. What I'm asking of you is that you simply allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you. And it might be, it might be that He sets upon your heart the things of the world and you grieve for the world. You know, Jesus in John chapter 11 verse 35, when his friend had died, Jesus wept. But actually most of the rest of the time, as he crashes into the stuff of the world, that is so wrong. Do you know what he does most of the rest of the time? He eats food. You know, the, the Jesus wet bit is one response, but most of the rest of the time, he finds the crankiest, most messed up bit, and he has a party. You know, this is Jesus' grief at the fallenness of humanity. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna lie on the floor and weep, or are we gonna, we gonna lay on a party? <laughs> it might be that, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, yes, he, he fills your heart with the grief for what's going on in the world, but that kick starts you to throwing a party for your friends. To find, for finding some of the folks who are troubled and being with them, with food and with care and with love. See, Jesus is always purposeful, always loving, even when it's tough. And the things that he rests upon us by his Holy Spirit are light, even if they are hugely heavy things. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who were weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't want to rest anything heavy on you tonight. I simply want you to rest in the Holy Spirit. See what he does. His Spirit in you. As you walk this world, as you pray for Bath, as you bump into our culture, our culture. But also for yourself. It might be that as you rest in the Holy Spirit, that actually he reminds you of something that you need to change your mind on, that you need to repent of. Use this space for that. Or it might be, it might be that he comforts you, that you just know his presence with you in the midst of whatever the struggle is. Hmm. Or it might even be that in the midst of all of the stuff that I've talked about, that you experience the joy of the Lord, who is our strength. You know, this is massively significant, heavy, grieving, mourning stuff. But we're to be light.
because it's his, not ours.